This is the Shift Podcast. On the Shift Daily Podcast, we highlight three stories from around the world with a new segment called Stories from Around the World. You know, it's great. We chat about the ocean being on fire in Mexico. It looks like something out of a movie, but they put it out. The 4th of July and COVID situation in the UK because our neighbors had a birthday. Stories from around the world with a Canadian perspective for you here on The Shift and coming up on the podcast too. On In Case You Missed It with Ryan O'Donnell, he tells us about Joey Chestnut, the greatest of all time, the goat who ate 76 hot dogs in 10 minutes to break his own record over the course of the weekend. Plus, are you okay with yachts? Are you okay with misspelling yachts? It's a hard word. Are you okay with sharing a bed? On or off a yacht. Are you okay? Are you okay with yachts? Stop. Stop. What do you mean stop? Stop the yachts? I'm doing... uh, No, I'm doing this. Are you okay? What do you mean you're doing this? Are you okay? Just trust me. Brendan, cue the music one more time for me, buddy. Oh, God. What are we up to? Are you okay with Shane spelling yachts like yogjts? That is spelled Y A U G H T S. Sorry, a I, I, I couldn't let that one slide. That was in that was in my list for today. That's not a, like even. Beer, it sounds spelled like, like it sounds. Are you okay with yachts? Yeah, you draft, yeah, draft, yafts, yafts. It's like a, it sounds like a, yeah, like a, a summer lager okay. that you're supposed Fine. to drink on your, your yacht. I make one right. typo. Mm-hmm. You got me. I, yep. yacht always gets me, man. Yacht, every time I word. go to spell, it gets me every time. And uh, <laughs> I'll even search like yacht rock music on my Spotify and get it wrong. And I'm like, how come there's yacht. no lists? <laughs> Uh, do you ever find sometimes you'll search a song up on Spotify, you'll spell it completely wrong, but you'll see a playlist that's also spelled completely wrong. So that yep. means you're a part of a group of people that are collectively that collected... spelling it wrong. Yeah, wrong. Uh, that's so good. All right. All right I'm, I'll step now? off my soapbox. Yes. Go, all right. You, you got me. Fair yeah, enough. You got it. I am one typo. You. <sighs> Don't worry. You're still the champ. I'm not taking your belt here. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Back to the story before we got so rudely interrupted by Mr. Righteous Pants over there, giving me a dose of my own medicine. Are you okay? There it is. With yachts. Like really, really big yachts. In Ah. fact, right now. Well, sorry. I interrupted you. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't, if I was a billionaire, I don't think I would buy a yacht. I don't think that'd be on my list of things to buy. Well, it's not really like Calgary. It's not really conducive to yachting. <laughs> you just, na- no. yep, you nailed it. I can't yeah. fit a yacht on the Bow River. But if I could have, if I could be so rich where I could f- fly on my private plane to Hawaii or to Italy, right? And I would land at some airport and get helicoptered over to my yacht in the harbor. That's all mine with all my things and all my privacy. And it's ready for me when I get there. And then we just cruise on over to Spain. Right? Like, and that was the life I was living. Hell yeah. I would take a yeah. yacht. One of those cool ones that has a speedboat that slides underneath. You know what I mean? And a yeah, helicopter that, landing pad. Cool. A like an evil villain lair. Yes. 
Yes. Evil villain yacht. All right. Uh, this is a really, really big yacht, and this is a very curious story to me. In fact, right now, the ship that we're talking about, this really, really big yacht, is called the Flying Fox. It's the biggest charter ship on the ocean. It's not the biggest ship, but the biggest charter ship on the ocean. This boat is 466 feet in length and nearly 74 feet in width. Um, it costs $4 million to charter it for a week in this story. Let's hear, let's hear more about how big this yacht is, how amazing it is from the richest. It boasts the 14th largest interior of any yacht, and all that space provides ample room for 22 guests and 55 crew members. The Flying Fox really stands out, even when compared to other incredibly expensive super yachts. The yacht's exterior was designed by world-renowned naval architect Espen Oino, and the sleek, curvy exterior makes the yacht look very futuristic. Of course, a yacht of this caliber needs to have a top-notch crew. The Flying Fox's crew consists of ex-members of the British military, which is why they command such high salaries. Crew members make big bucks. The captain of a yacht this size can earn as much as $450,000 per year, while the ship's head engineer likely earns a salary of about $150,000. Uh, $150,000 a year isn't such a bad income either, you know what I'm saying? You're living on a pretty Not nice bad. place, right? Well, we have a new contender for insanely big boats. There was the one, actually, did you just hear it was, um, what's his nuts, Amazon, Bezos. He just, yep. uh, there was another yacht in, in that storyline too. But this one's massive. According to CNN, this is a neat idea. And as a entrepreneurial spirit person, I feel jealous I didn't think of it. Not that I could afford it, but it's a good idea. This has been called a yacht liner. Measuring at 728 feet, Somnio is the largest yacht in the world by both length and volume when it launches in three years, 2024. Somnio, which means to dream in Latin, was devised by Winch Design and Tilburg Design of Swede. That's too bad. That's a typo. Sweden. <laughs> well, how's that feel there, Mr. Smarty Pants? Yeah, right. Um, it cost $600 million for the boat. But here's the cool part. It has 39 apartments across six different floors, as well as restaurants, bars, and an onboard beach club. The purchasing process to buy an apartment, so basically it's like an apartment building where you could buy your condo, but it's on a yacht. Now, you can't just walk into the show home. So it's by invitation or referral only, with apartment prices starting at about $11 million for the apartment. A spokesperson for the project confirms to CNN Travel that some have already been snapped up. Would you buy an apartment? If you didn't have $100 million for a giant yacht, would you spend $11 million for an apartment in a yacht? No, because I wouldn't get to pick where I'm going. It's just I'm sure everybody's just a, on for a ride. Yeah, they'd have a schedule, I'm sure, that they just go. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably just going to be in Milan all year. Oh, how fancy. Yes. I don't trust the stability of, of water as uh, something to live on. <laughs> really? I think I like ground better than water. Yeah. I would yeah. love to live on a houseboat. I would love that. I guess. Yeah. That'd be fun. All right, then. Wow. I just want to invite you to my apartment inside the super yacht. <laughs> Fine. $11 million. I wonder, I'd have to see pictures. And mm. if I get my own speedboat, or a little ski that like can drop off the side or something, then we'll see. All right. Yeah. I just said I won't live. I didn't say I wouldn't visit. Oh, sure. Now, <laughs> now it's yeah, good okay. enough for you. I get it. Fine. Are you okay? 
Are you okay with fireworks? Yes. I think they're sweet, uh, cool explosions in the sky that look pretty. I, there's one particular Canada Day when I was maybe 13 years old, and my dad launched one at an angle that was horrifically close to causing horrific amounts of damage to a home. But it ricocheted, and everything was fine. But, uh, yeah, they're a little crazy, but they're cool. Yeah. We once had a uh, fire fire a firefighter, a fireworks, a New Year's fireworks at Christmas time in the snow. And there was a firefighter friend who thought, well, let the firefighter launch the fireworks, who proceeded to launch one directly into the shed at the cabin filled with gasoline and quads. <laughs> Way oh, to go, fireman. Uh, that sounds like something out of a o- movie. Everything was okay. Um, it was cool this weekend, though. Did you watch fireworks this weekend, Brendan? No, no. I was going to say, if I'm okay with fireworks, not so much anymore. I think it's time that we evolved into like laser light shows and things now. Do things differently. That's fun. Yeah. I got to tell you, I found it incredibly cool this weekend to see fireworks on Canada Day and to sit outside in the deck because they actually happen just behind my place so I can get to see them and just walk out of the deck and watch fireworks and it felt great to see although i don't know who subscribed to the fireworks in airdrie because they had these ones going off that were red white and blue so clearly they bought them out of the states <laughs> i thought that was funny but uh yeah i don't know i found for the first time in my life that's probably the most i've enjoyed fireworks in my life was this weekend probably because they've just been taken away for so long i felt pretty grateful to watch them well this headline around fireworks will make you scratch your head 17 injured after planned detonation of seized illegal fire fireworks ends in explosion hmm well that's what a firework is it's an explosion yeah, that's that's what a planned detonation is but this wasn't your typical explosion it was the kind of explosion that caused a bomb disposal truck to explode i can't speak for the entire nation but i'll say that i've never seen that before and i've been working for atf for over a decade Federal agents from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives are surveying the damage and beginning the process of reconstructing what led to this. A massive explosion that injured 17, including 10 law enforcement officers and 7 civilians. It happened when the LAPD tried to detonate illegal fireworks that were seized in a home in South L.A. Lieutenant Raul Javel is with the LAPD. You have to follow protocols in place. So they'll be looking at that, also looking at... Uh, human error. Jovell says officers went door to door to alert neighbors the detonation was going to take place last night and asked them to leave their homes. After the explosion, they discovered that some folks were still within that vicinity that uh, didn't answer the door, and that's how we discovered that some folks were injured. Arturo Sejas III has been arrested on suspicion of reckless or malicious possession of a destructive device after police got a tip that led to the discovery of about 5,000 pounds of fireworks, including more unstable improvised explosive devices with simple fuses. 40 were the size of a soda can and 200 smaller ones with similar construction. The LAPD says that was part of the decision to detonate what was found on scene. That's a big boom. The video is incredible. It, it, it's The truck looks like a tank, and within a split second, 
it is in three million pieces and it's like an hd explosion too it's not like on a crappy someone who hasn't upgraded their phone in 15 years video it's crystal clear and it's insane I wish we should have got Marvin the Martian on for that one. Where's the earth-shattering kaboom? Uh, to have him as a guest. Actually, I did email him today, by the way. Um, Eric Bowser, the uh, voice of Marvin the Martian. See if we can get him on the show this month. He's awesome. He's Canadian. Okay, um, are you okay? Are you okay with sharing a bed? No. <laughs> That was fast. <laughs> you don't like strangers on your front lawn or what? No. Yeah. No. No. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. No, I'm not a huge fan of sharing a bed if I don't have to. I'll, I'll sleep on the floor. If that's the case, then I just, yeah. I like my space. D- dating must be difficult. Yeah, it's difficult. To, that's a difficult one to throw out on the first date. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll, <laughs> there are some scenarios in which i will share a bed but it doesn't have to be all night that's that's like an hour brandon kelly the man who invented the bend that tips up and rolls the other person off uh, <laughs> it's a button that's a good idea yeah uh, all right um uh this story don't worry um uh, it's not related to swinigging it's uh, you see, this one is supposed to come after the you skipped over one. I no, I didn't. I, yeah, did I? Oh, did I? No. Yeah. All right. All right. But it's okay. It's, it's still, the, it's still it's a funny. typo. It's still good. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, it's still right. a typo. I don't know how swinging yeah. will relate to the last story, even if we go back. Yeah, well, because there was the last story had a typo in it too, so I think we're doing all right. Um, an Atlanta woman woke up to a surprise this weekend. Instead of Christine Frank seeing her husband in the morning, she saw a large African cat on her bed. The cat was just six inches from her face, looking at her, which is kind of weird. More from CNN. It was big. It was scary. Frank screamed, ran out of the room as the exotic cat cowered in the corner. Can't predict what a wild animal is going to do when it's cornered. Frank's husband opened a connecting patio door, but instead of scurrying away, the servo lingered, allowing Frank to snap these pictures. The wild animal, native to Africa, eventually disappeared into a nearby golf course. We, we think it's staying within a, a relatively small area of the neighborhood. Lieutenant Wayne Hubbard with Georgia Department of Natural Resources says the serval is likely someone's pet, but it's illegal to have them in Georgia. They're very popular in the pet trade. The agency placed a trap on Thursday. Once the cat is captured, the Animal Legal Defense Fund plans to place it in an animal sanctuary. She needs to be in a place, in an accredited sanctuary, where she can really thrive and exhibit a lot of those natural behaviors that are just impossible um, in private homes. This could have gone horribly different. I have an elderly dog. I'm lucky I don't have any small children anymore. I I don't know what this cat, this is a wild animal um, and they shouldn't be pets. Well, they're pretty cute. They look like a tiny little skinny leopard, really. Exactly. They are objectively cute. And but I'm pretty at sure the same time, probably not a great idea to have in your house. They are legal in some places, because if I'm not mistaken, I think I know somebody who might have one. And I don't know if that's illegal or not um, here, but there's something, a, a breed of cat that looks similar to it, because it looks like a, a leopard made a baby with your tabby cat, right? Um, I mean, they're bigger than a normal cat, but not like big as a big cat. And, mm-hmm. you know, 
kind of skinny and they look kind of cute and cuddly, but you kind of look at them and go, "Mm, probably could eat my face. Um, Brendan, perfect for you. I mean, you love things that eat your eyeballs when you die. Well, that's not why I like them. I like them because they can take care of themselves. As long as it's not sharing a bed with me like this story here. Because you don't have to feed them because they will eat your eyeballs when you die. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, So the legislative affairs manager, Alicia Pregalski, Pregoski said the wildcat trade in the America is really not well regulated. <laughs> Have you seen Netflix? Yeah, Tiger um, King. I was going to say. <laughs> if you haven't watched Tiger King, I got to tell you, you're going to absolutely regret watching it and want all that time back in your life, but you're also going to tell all your friends how amazing it was at the same time. Trust us. This is the Shift Podcast. News from around the world. Why not? And uh, it also gives us a chance to play Daft Punk. Yeah. Which we need to play more of in the world. We do. Let's be honest. Now, as we get into news around from around the world, 877-399-9898, that is an example of a song at one season of my life I could not live without. And that's what we want to ask you for our next segment. So please call and text it in now. What is a song today that you can't live without? Your favorite Inspiration, mellow man, so you find your zen man, whatever. What is a song today that you cannot live without? 877-399-9898. Okay, this weekend, the ocean was on fire, which was great, great feeder for um, the climate change conversation, which is funny because it has nothing to do with climate change, but it sure inspired an awful lot of tweets about it. For me, it inspired conversation about responsibility around energy products. That's for sure. But if you don't know the story, Mexico state-owned oil company, um, Petrolos Mexicanos, which is, uh, uh, oh, Petromex, I believe is the, is the short term. In fact, there was a, there was a guy that we were in a bar once in Mexico and, uh, he wasn't even from Mexico. And the gas stations, um, the Petromex or whatever it's called, he would go introduce himself as, um, as whatever his name was, Petromex. He'd be like, yeah, that's my family. Uh, we're the Petromexes. We own the gas stations. And he used to use that as a pickup line and it worked. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, my name is, uh, Ryan Petro Canada. How you doing? <laughs> I, uh, no, wait, I can one of it. What's that? My name's uh, Ryan Shell. Why don't I uh, teach you how to come out of your shell? <laughs> oh, I hate it. Oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. Oh. Uh, completely unrelated. I found this Instagram about the world's worst pickup lines for women. Um, and, and it, I'll send it to you privately, but if anybody else wants it, it's probably inappropriate for the radio. But <laughs> I will send it to anybody if you ask for it. Anyway, uh, back to uh, Mr. Petromex and their fire this weekend. So uh, the company said, uh, the the petroleum company of Mexico said, Friday it suffered a rupture in an undersea gas pipeline in the Gulf of Mexico, sending flames boiling to the surface in the Gulf waters. It's hard to imagine how it's possible, but it's true. The ocean was literally on fire. And I don't mean like you would see in the movies, like a war movie where there's, you know, the U-boat goes down and then there's a oil slick and there's fire on top of the water. Nay, nay, my friends. 
literally there was like this burning eyeball of fire in the center of the ocean below the surface. It was amazing. The photos were mind-blowing. Bright orange flames jumping out of the water resembling molten lava. It was apocalyptic, like something out of a movie. Where's Will Smith when you need him? Here's more from ABC7. It still boggles the mind to look at it. It may look just like a scene from a disaster movie, but this is real. This video captured today when the ocean caught fire in the Gulf of Mexico just west of the Yucatan Peninsula. Those dramatic images of the ocean aflame quickly going viral on social media. Some people calling it an eye of fire, while others said it looked like the portal to hell opening up. Pemex, the Mexican state-run oil company, says an underground natural gas pipeline sprung a leak that caused that mid-ocean fire. A number of firefighting boats pumped water onto the fire for nearly five hours until it was eventually extinguished. They put out a fire on the ocean, an oil platform nearby not damaged. Now, I still don't think that's accurate. They put out a fire in the ocean, like literally inside the ocean. Yeah, it it's good. weird, eh? Because it, 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 it was, you can see a bubbling and on top of the bubbles was fire. <laughs> it's yeah. just, it, it, you look at it and you go, that looks like something out of a new Fast and Furious movie, not mm -hmm. real life. And yet here we are. Welcome to 2021. It's like, it's if you could ever imagine where the aliens landed, that's where, it, that's what it looked like. According to Reuters, Ange, uh, Angel Carrizales, head of Mexico's oil safety regulator, a C <laughs> wrote on Twitter that the incident did not generate any spill. He did not explain what was burning on the water surface. In fact, they used nitrogen to put out the fire because water wouldn't work if uh, the water is on fire. Apparently, I did not know that. And they had these little, little firefighter boats <laughs> squirting water, pew, pew, at this massive fire. Um, it was mind-blowing, which did uh, bring up a conversation for me around oil in Canada. And why is it that Canada buys oil from places like that? So I brought up the stats just uh, to to let everybody know because this or this you know the pipeline east conversation is a big deal in Canada right now, and here's some stats for you: Line Five Enbridge, which goes down through the states and then back up to Canada and services most of Ontario through Sarnia. Line Five Enbridge uh, is reported as providing 100% of the jet fuel that supplies Pearson. So just to be clear, so they were threatening to shut down Line 5 Enbridge. If you don't know the story, uh, you should probably look it up because if you live in Ontario or Quebec, that's where gasoline, heating oil, and all those things comes from. And that will be brutal if they do decide to shut it down. Enbridge is, of course, trying to find a uh, – they're trying to build an alternative as well and get permission to do that. But with pipelines being, you know, stopped everywhere, it seems – well, except for in America. They build more pipelines for American stuff all the time. They just don't let Canadian pipelines in. In 2020, Canada spent just under $11.5 billion on foil, foreign oil imports. That's how much money it was imported. And um, if you look at the value of where it comes from, in 2020, most of it came from the USA, also um, Nigeria, uh, Colombia, UK, and um, Saudi Arabia. So... Canada, just in case you don't know, has all that, right? It has it all here. And Mexican oil that comes from there is very similar to the oil that comes out of the oil sands in Alberta, which the oil sands in Alberta makes a lot of products that most other oils don't make, like Canadian or American oils can't make some of those other products that are heavy. So um, 
just so you know, in all of this conversation, Canada is spending money, throwing it away when it is right here. And when you look at the fact that the ocean was on fire, Canadian, all Canadian, not just Albertan, all Canadian energy services and responsibility and safety, if that's not a good clue to say, hey, maybe we should look in the mirror here where we get our blood oil from or unsafe oil from, Petromex is, uh, doesn't have the best safety record, in case you were wondering. So that was a good reminder as Canadians. We should be looking at that saying, huh, maybe we should just uh, you know use what we got first. Might be a plan. In other news from around the world, freedom, fireworks, cheeseburgers, hot dogs. Fourth of July on Sunday to our neighbors to the south, we salute you. Happy birthday, which is actually not happy birthday. It's more happy breakup day, actually, <laughs> technically. It's like a divorce celebration. You know, when like you see people in the bar and they're like, you know, I'm getting married. And the next table over is like, I'm getting divorced. Canada Day is like, I'm getting married. And uh, Independence Day is more like, we're getting a divorce. And they're three days apart. But good parties. President Joe Biden narrowly missed his goal of having 70% of people vaccinated by July 4th. The White House is now urging anyone who has not been immunized to do so because of the Delta variant down in America. We haven't heard much about American COVID and the influence. So if you're planning on travel now that the border is going to be reopened, you're going to want to know this. This is Jennifer Johnson. Americans are riding a wave of freedom, celebrating the country's independence and that they're free from COVID-19 lockdowns. After a whole year of um, following the rules, uh, not going out, um, and now we're finally safe enough to be out, see other people. July 4th, 2021 is a star contrast to 2020, with 2.2 million people traveling on planes Friday, the highest since the pandemic began. We didn't really expect it to be um, all this crowded. Friends and families are reuniting, optimistic the worst of the pandemic is behind them. Two-thirds of American adults have gotten at least one dose of a vaccine. But a new poll shows 74% of those who are unvaccinated are unlikely to ever get immunized. If you look at the number of, of deaths, about 99.2% of them are unvaccinated. Most all of these are avoidable and preventable. Experts say full Food and Drug Administration approval, rather than the current emergency use of the vaccines, might help persuade the reluctant. A lot of individuals that don't want to yet get the vaccine view it as experimental. And they cite the fact that this is still under emergency use as a big reason why they want to wait and see. 18 of the 20 states with the lowest vaccination rates are led by Republican governors, many who supported former President Donald Trump, who often downplayed the virus. Some state leaders are emphasizing the importance of getting vaccinated as the Delta variant spreads. In our state, um, which is concerning, hospitalizations are, are rising again. We have 89% of those over the age of 65, so we feel really good about that. And our death rates have come down because of that, but we desperately need more. With COVID-19 still killing over 9,700 Americans in June, experts say be wary, this virus is still among us. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. Uh, the, the basic summary is very simple, as best we understand it about the Delta variant, is that it is more contagious. There's no evidence that it makes you any more sick, but it seems to be that if you're not immunized, uh, that's problematic potentially for you. If you today, the 5th, you can go out of the country and come back again if you pass your COVID test. 
And there was a, a great text that came in from Yvonne that said, it's not free. Your Canadians are not free. Well, Canadians are free to travel. Uh, it's not, you got to pay for your COVID tests and those COVID tests are not free. I think that was just a bit of a misunderstanding or maybe I miscommunicated, but the reality is, is with your COVID tests and your vaccine proof, uh, you can go. I did get a text message from a friend that said, have you gone to, did you plan your ticket to Hawaii yet? Which, uh, which might be a thing. We'll see. Maybe I'll magically just disappear for a while. That'd be all right. Just a couple of, you know, you guys be free of me for a little bit. I'd be all right. You guys can do the show. It would basically me. just be four hours of talking about New Wave. Yeah, that'd be great. Right? And Lego. Yeah. And Lego and the Smiths. Oh, God. I can't even go on vacation just for the protect all the shift heads from all the Smiths <laughs> conversation between you guys. Yeah, good call. Don't give me power. I will abuse it. Yeah. Yeah. You know when he said this lyric in the song? I think it means this, man. That's what you guys would be dissecting every lyric. Mm-hmm. Um, everything Morrissey for everywhere. Are every, you okay? Like line by line. With the yeah. Smiths. Are you, are you okay with this lyric from this song? <laughs> line seven. Um, anyway, um, it was it was fun to watch everything down in uh, America with their party. They were welcoming people into public places again in Washington, D.C., which you have never if you've never been, I absolutely recommend it. It is a fantastic place to go. And down in America, unlike in Canada, if you want to go to a national park, you pay in Canada. Right. If you go to the federally run parks in America, they're free. So if you want to go to the museum, it's free. You have to pay for parking, which is pretty tricky. But if you want to go to the Smithsonian stuff, you want to go to the zoo, you want to do all those things, it's free. You just pay for the parking, and then you can get in for free, which would be something that we as Canadians would probably enjoy. More news around the world. Um, England may soon abandon legal requirements for wearing masks. A government minister said Sunday as the nation waits for U.K. Prime Minister Boris Johnson to announce plans for easing uh, COVID-19 measures. Johnson is expected in the next few days to update England on Freedom Day. The plan to scrap remaining restrictions on business and social interaction on July 19th. British media widely reported that many requirements, including masks, could also end. Now, that's not all. They're also shaking things up in sports. Half of the population is yet to be fully vaccinated, but unmasked spectators are allowed at mass sporting events like Wimbledon. It's a biggie. Crystal Gomensing explains the warning for Canada and the fears of the Delta variant could fuel a spike in cases. Game, set match, Sabalenka. Lots of cheers courtside at Wimbledon, but few masks. The tens of thousands of spectators on hand must prove they're COVID-19 free or fully vaccinated. The event was granted special government research status. But an independent scientific advisory group is now demanding changes to the way events are selected. The way it's presented and indeed being exploited suggests to us that uh, it's actually uh, creating risk and is being used politically. Daily infection rates are back to levels not seen in the UK since January, and hospitalizations are rising. According to our world data tracking information, about 49% of the adult population is fully vaccinated in the UK. But even then, they can become infected. And while vaccines prevent against serious illness, COVID-19 and its variants can still be spread to others. 
German Chancellor Angela Merkel raised the issue of cross-country transmission with a number of football fans and athletes taking part in Euro 2020 events. I see this with great concern, said the Chancellor, adding that Germany greatly reduced the number of fans at events. Canada's vaccination rate remains lower than both Germany's and the UK's. Experts say with the Delta variant, about 75% of Canadians need to be protected before anyone should feel safe. Even though we're you know, much closer to the end than what we were at the start of the year, we've still got a period of time to go. And, and until we get to that level of uh, full vaccination, we really still need to be wearing masks and taking these precautions. The precautions are exhausting, but the experts say the pandemic is still a threat. Crystal Demanson, Global News, London. Uh, yeah, that's a tough one, right? That's so confusing for everybody. Um, 75% of people you know, should be vaccinated before anyone feels safe. Well, if you're vaccinated, you should feel safe. I mean, that, I mean, we can't lose the, that highlight here. You should feel safer. Everyone, nobody is safe. Everyone should feel safer. And let's remember, all of the lockdowns, all the concerns were based on one fundamental piece, is that if there's too many people in the hospital sick, That means if you break your ankle and you can't get into the hospital, it would be dreadful if somebody died of a broken ankle, right? Like if you like stuff like that, because the hospital was full of COVID and then the staff gets sick or the staff can't handle it. And now there's no staff to run the hospitals. That's what this is all about, right? That's what it was, was politically for the government to look good and make sure that the hospitals were protected. Because no political person in the world ever wanted to be the person who said, oh, by the way, yeah, there's no more room. If you're having chest pains, good luck with that, right? Fatalities are a part of life, maybe, they would say. Um, but the that's what this is all about. So, yes, ask your doctor. I'm just going to go back to that point. Ask your doctor what's best for you. Here's the thing. In Alberta, where we are, and in BC, things changed on the first, and everything sort of shifted. Now, Ryan, I don't know your experience this weekend with the masks. Uh, mine, I was on Sutina, which is just outside Calgary's boundary. So the city of Calgary still has a mask mandate. You talk about messed up. This is political stuff here. I'm going to get political for a second. Is that the mayor of Calgary is just like this political theater guy, and it's it's just everyone's exhausted with it. So what happened was the province of Alberta wouldn't put in a mask mandate because it took forever. And then so the cities put in their own. Calgary first, I think Edmonton was second, if I recall that clearly. Then they, they when the year crossed over to the new year, they said, we'll just extend it for a year. We have to do it one time. We're done. So when the province said no more masks, the city said, whoa, 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 we're not ready yet. And you watch what's going to happen is they're going to review it this week. And then the mayor's going to be like, we're got no masks for stampede. Yahoo. And they're going to try to look like the good guys. This is where the COVID stuff has become political theater and it's dreadful. But imagine this. I can see the city of Calgary from my house. If I go to a store over there, I have to wear a mask. If I go to a store down the street from me, I don't have to wear a mask. It's been confusing. Where I was for hockey this weekend at Sutina, it was no masks because they're outside the city and um, on the bandland outside the city. And then uh, inside the city, if you went across the street to go get yourself some drive through or takeaway, you had to wear a mask. Incredibly confusing. Um, did you see people wearing less masks, Ryan, when you were out and about this weekend? Nope, exact same. And I personally think the mask mandate should be in for at least, honestly, to make, for me, and this is just my personal opinion, I'd say at least another month. 
I think. I, I like the idea of restrictions being lifted, but in public settings, I don't mind. At the theater, I sat down and I watched my movie in a well-ventilated room. But to walk up and go to the bathroom, I put the mask on. I've been doing that for a long time now. I'm fine to do it a bit more. And I would say everybody uh, there, in the theater at least, was following that. Except there was this one guy who his mask broke. You could see. And he was holding it up to his face. And then eventually he was like, why am I doing that? And he just took his thing and just threw it in the garbage. Mm. And I, and if that had happened three months ago, even two months ago, I would have shaken my fist and, you know, what the hell are you doing? But uh, when I saw it happen, I went, well, I'm vaccinated. He's probably vaccinated. Yeah. Small, small spaces like transit to me. It makes sense. Now, um, yeah, that's that not going said, anywhere. That's good to know. It, protect bus not. drivers, right? Right. Like yeah, bus drivers and those to. kinds of things. I think that's okay. And uh, that's probably all right. You can't roll down a window the same way as you can in a taxi if a taxi driver wants to roll down windows, right? And so, um, Brendan, now your what? what's the update in BC that you've gone through over the last few days? Well, after the first masks became recommended in indoor spaces and TransLink, the company here in Vancouver, um, switched, or in the lower mainland, switched uh, for transit to recommended as well. Um, last week at the beginning of it, like on Thursday, Friday, I'd say it was like 99% still masks. But towards the end of the weekend, now, as I said to you earlier before the show, just coming in, it was like 60-40 on the train coming in, um, mm-hmm. unmasked 40%. Mm-hmm. I went to Costco on uh, the mall on Canada Day outside of the city where you didn't need to wear a mask, and I would say 99% of people were wearing masks still. That could be just confusion between the local mask bylaws. Uh, but then by the course of Sunday, most people had no masks on. So everyone's adapting quickly. You know, there's certain, look, the future is going to involve certain scenarios where you're going to have to put a mask on. We're not going to walk away from this whole uh, no masks everything. Like, you're going to have to keep them in your car. You're going to have to keep them in your pocket from time to time. And, and stores are probably going to ask you to do that. I went into a winner's outside the city and all the staff were wearing masks. And I asked the, the lady who was working the, the change room and said, you know, are you guys required to wear masks? She goes, well, no, they're, they're just basically asking us, you know, just, just to provide ease of mind peace of mind for the customers uh, you know so they're kind of telling us to wear them but they're not really telling us to wear them they're just saying hey we're this is what we're going to do for the time being and she's like and i'm cool with that i'm sick of it but i can do that so that's cool i think that we're going in the right way and and there was you know some pretty interesting uh, you know tweets and stuff that toured around with all of these things and before we wrap this up i, I just wanted to look at you know one of those little pieces of the puzzle which is that just because someone is wearing a mask doesn't mean that they're afraid and terrified, right? And just because someone is not wearing a mask doesn't mean that they're anti-COVID and a hater. And we've got to get a grip on the fact that right now and the future in Canada and around the world around masks, like we've seen in many other cultures, is that masks are going to be a thing that people will choose. And it doesn't make anyone good or bad. They're just making their choice. And I really hope as Canadians we can um, get a grip on this. And I look forward to the other provinces like Manitoba and Ontario uh, when that all changes for everybody, what that conversation inspires, because that's when we'll truly know what this all looks like. It's the Shift Podcast. In case you missed it on the radio, here's Ryan. Oh. There it is. That's okay. That's the Monday intro. That's the Monday. 
the Monday mood as we start our week, but I'm actually in a pretty good mood because uh, I have something to celebrate. Mm. It is an achievement. Unlike any mankind reaching the moon, this isn't even close. This is the <laughs> ultimate achievement in, in human history. And it all has to do with hot dogs. Now, look, I love hot dogs. I would argue that a hot dog with good beef cooked perfectly is better on a hot summer day than a burger. I would say that a hot dog with good meat, <laughs> nondescript, is fantastic on a hot day. I wouldn't even go all beef. You know, yeah, fair enough. Hey, Juicy Jumbo, all beef. That's that's my choice. If I have to make it myself, that's what I that's what I go for. But uh, we can all agree that you got to it's Costco. That's where the hot dogs are. But uh, <laughs> I will say that uh, this guy was not eating Costco hot dogs. He is officially the goat, the greatest of all time. I'm not talking Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, or Wayne Gretzky. The true goat, Joey Chestnut. If you don't know who Joey Chestnut is, he is the defending and reigning world-eating champion. He broke his own record on Sunday after devouring an absolutely absurd amount of hot dogs in 10 minutes at the famous Nathan's International Hot Dog Eating Contest, the most 4th of July celebration ever. All right, gents. How many hot dogs do you think Joey Chestnut ate in 10 minutes? I haven't been following the uh, competitive hot dog eating stats mm -hmm. this, se this season, so I'm off. I I'm going to guess it's probably a pile about this big, which I'm going to say big. is what? 10, 45? 45? Okay. That's, that's a good guess. That's a good guess. Brendan? Uh, we'll go with 46. Oh, man. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, Brendan, you well, win. you let him on. You said it was a good guess. I mean, yeah. So, yeah, you're I mean, not supposed clearly, to. Uh, that breaks the game uh, show I, rules. I, I thought I was going to throw you off bias. a little bit. Yeah. I would be a terrible bias. game show host. Tell me about it. Joey Chestnut ate 76 hot dogs. Oh. <laughs> well, here's the thing, too. It's in the script. I, I saw the answer, so I just knew I had to guess oh, one higher than Shane. You're, See, oh, I, always cheat. I always cheat. I, this just, is, this is sort of the way this happens. How I'm just going to stop putting it in there. It has integrity on this show. Wow. Like, I'm the only one that would is? not end up in court. Yeah, maybe not. Um, would end up like in some sort of headline of cheating on the game show. You guys... Bob Barker would be so upset with you. I know. I'm sorry, Bob. You, but yes, you probably also all... don't have your cat spayed or neutered either. No, oh, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but hold on. He ate 76 hot dogs in 10 minutes. Now, I in can eat minutes? like 20 pieces yeah. of sushi in like 20 Smaller. minutes maybe. Or more? Okay, 76 hot dogs in 10 minutes. That's seven and a half hot dogs a minute. It's so about, that's around a, six or seven okay. seconds of hot dog? Oh, wow. It's the, Well, in the clip you're about to hear, they did the math, and it's a hot dog every nine seconds. Oh, that would hurt. 
Uh, yeah, well, I actually have some interesting statistics on how they do that. But first, let's just hear about Joey Chestnut winning and also the hilarity of the people who watched it happen live. Here's more from the Today Show. Three, two, one, begin! Yes, it was also a record-setting day at the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. Joey Chestnut scarfing down a record-breaking 76 hot dogs. Even better, this year it was in front of a crowd. God, it was felt so good being in front of a crowd. Last year was uh, it was hard on everybody, and uh, I can't complain. But uh, it. it it's just, uh, this is, it's just good that things are starting to get normal. The stadium packed with screaming fans cheering on the competitive eaters. But it felt nice that this was my first outing into public. Like, this was my first stadium moment, so that was cool. It was a lot to take in. This felt really, really nice. It felt like New York is back. 76 hot dogs in 10 minutes. That's about every nine seconds he was able to eat a hot dog and a bun. Wow. Can you imagine being locked well, I mean, we all were locked inside for about two years, but you waited to go to a concert or a show, and the first thing you do is go watch a bunch of people inhale food. Hmm. That's all right. That was a good time. America. I yeah, love it. It seems very it's American. Yeah. Do they still put them do in it. water before they eat them? I think, I think so. Yes, I do. I think they are allowed to do a little brief little dip. Uh <laughs> But, okay, I have some stats. So how do they do it? Well, the average human can have about like 1.4 liters of food in their stomachs at a time, like a full-grown adult. Basically, what they do is they train their bodies to ignore the nausea reflex that our stomach sends our brain when we're at capacity. And the stomach will then stretch to have four liters of food in it. Here is the ridiculous thing. The amount of food that Joey Chestnut ate in 10 minutes could give is enough food to basically power a human being for four months. Oh. If you spread <laughs> I just wonder what happens after. Like he, he wins the belt, he balloons up, and then he goes home. And then what? Does he just wait? And, or does it take like three weeks for him to feel normal again? Oh, God. Yeah. Anyway, he's incredible. This man is insane. That's the 14th time he's won in the last 15 years. Wow. I'm, I'm guessing he doesn't so, go out for celebratory beers. Oh. I, don't I think once he... drank a schooner of beer so fast that it came, my tummy was so full of beer, it came on my nose. Somewhere, right? <laughs> like there was literally no more room, and I just was pouring it in That's here, and it was coming out there. Image. Yeah, just I won the contest, though. Yeah. Anyway, man, beautiful. Let's uh, let's talk about a different kind of competition, though. A a much more widely accepted one, the Olympics. It's coming up real quick. I'm sure we'll have a a hit with uh, Chris Gilbert in Tokyo to tell us about how much of a bungle it is over there. Uh, there is apparently a chance that they actually might cancel uh, allowing spectators in the crowd. Uh, but really? no matter what, as far as we know, the 2020 Olympic Games in Tokyo are going ahead. And a lot of people, especially in America, were excited about a star sprinter who's up and coming. Her name is Shikari Richardson. She 
was making some huge waves, becoming the fastest uh, runner in her group. She was uh, doing incredible. She has a very uh, pronounced sense of style with long, uh, very bright hair, long nails, and uh, was like breathing like a, a breath of fresh air to like sprinting and track and field and all that. But there was some pretty interesting news that happened with Shikari. She was barred from competing in the women's 100-meter dash at the Olympics. Why? She tested positive for THC, which is the part of weed that makes you high. Uh, And now Richardson's drug test was obtained in Oregon, where Olympic trials were held and where recreational cannabis use is legal, the World Anti-Doping Agency rule dictate that she has to be suspended from competition for at least one month, and the Olympics are in less than a month. So there is so there are so many pieces to this story. So here is more from NBC News on what happened, and I'm going to give you some stats. But make no mistake, this story does not end with in case you missed it. This is something that is going to be followed and looked at for weeks to come. So let's get the latest here. With a blazing time and standout style, Shakari Richardson recently punched her ticket to Tokyo. Richardson's going to Tokyo. Unbelievable. The fact that I am an Olympian, no matter what is said or anything, I am an Olympian. At the Olympic trials, the 21-year-old Dallas native won the 100-meter dash in a blazing 10.86 seconds, making her the fastest woman in America. But now it appears her Olympic dreams may have been put on hold. A U.S. Olympic source telling NBC News she failed a drug test after her finals win, testing positive for THC, the chemical found in marijuana. According to her lawyers, Shakari has been suspended from the Olympic team. And her failed test may cause her to lose her spot on Team USA entirely. Her Olympic trial results were automatically disqualified when she tested positive. That means she won't be allowed to compete in her signature event, the 100 meters. But there appears to be an outside chance she could compete in a different event. What's unclear is whether she will appeal the test result and the disqualification or how long her suspension will last. NBC News has reached out to the USA track and field for official comment. Shakari captured the hearts of millions when she ran into the stands after her victory and hugged her grandmother just a week after losing her biological mother. Okay, so lots to unpack here. First off, this is one of the awkward transition phases as marijuana becomes more and more accepted Uh, especially in North America, but around the world. Do I think that marijuana will be a banned doping substance in the Olympics in 10 years time from now? I don't think so. No, I think we will probably move away from that policy. However, right now, it still is, which is interesting. Now, this is where the story gets a little bit more, I want to say sympathetic. So Richardson spoke with NBC and said that she smoked weed, to cope with the death of her biological mother. Richardson, who was raised by her grandma, but she learned about the death from a reporter during an interview. That's a lot. 
That's a lot to process. That's a heavy mm-hmm. day, and I completely understand if you want to light one up to take a little bit of a breather, literally. And I personally struggle with the idea that if you like consuming something like marijuana, which <laughs> it's not a performance enhancing drug, it very much decreases your performance. <laughs> like you become basically like just a you know a sloth, right? It's just I struggle with that, but. The rules are the rules, and that is what happened. Now, will the rules change after this? That's the question. But there are more pieces to this puzzle that need to get looked at, including her coach, who has had some run-ins with the doping committee at the uh, IOC in the past. Mm -hmm. There's just so much here. I, it's crazy. This is such a bizarre sports story. Like this is going to well, be a I think miniseries. You're going to see. So Dennis Mitchell, can I elaborate on that part, right? Absolutely. Or do you want to yeah, save absolutely. that? Yeah. So no, you got Dennis it. Mitchell is her coach. Dennis Mitchell was kicked out for drugs, um, and has even with like an undercover reporter offered to get drugs somewhat recently for <laughs> poor performance enhancing drugs, human growth hormone, and all those things. And so this is her coach. So it's going to put an extra spotlight. I mean. Here's the thing. I don't feel bad for if you work for a certain in certain jobs in certain industries, even though marijuana is illegal or legal, excuse me, you still can't have pot in your system at certain jobs. Yep. That's like her job. Officers. So that's right. I, I don't know that it, it could be. I, I so I she knows that and that's her job. So I don't have any sympathy. And the thing is, is that if they're going to let it go or give her a hall pass on it. Um, her coach, Dennis Mitchell, might work against her. The thing that gets me in all of this, and Ryan, you're going to be so disappointed to hear this part, is that she has an endorsement deal with Nike, and there are some allegations online, at least assertions, that she has um, been connected to her coach and this you know druggy coach by Nike in order to put them together. And so there are all kinds of spotlights on this person without a doubt they say that uh if she's tangled up with bad people she's a rock star like change the benchmark for running in yeah, general insanely talented like like she's rock not going star. away she's 21 but the comparisons have been made to flojo and if you know the storyline of flojo then um florence griffith's joiner then you're going to look that up and Shikari Richardson, Dennis Mitchell, give it a Google. We will see what will come of this. And it's amazing to me, based on the stuff that I've read anyway, that uh, the assertion that people who have been kicked out of sports or out of Olympic Games because of drug use still can have that heavy hand on so many athletes in sport today. It leads yep. you to believe that the Olympics are less about performing well and more about technology about hiding the drugs and that could be a thing i like i said there's a million different pieces here one thing i do really want to commend shikari on is owning up in in every interview and everything she said she said i'm human i understand what i did i have to live with it and there was no Mm -hmm. this is bullcrap i deserve to be there there was none of that apology admittal and has sat back and has been silent and is clearly reflecting. And this could be a huge turning point in her career 
that skyrockets her past the point where we even think she is. You know, you never know. This could be a wake up or, or it could change. Who knows? All I know is this story is interesting. Doping in sports is so much more complicated than you hear and, and what and you common, see. That, I would say. Oh, and common. Oh, the, the work that goes into it is just bizarre. So, uh, yeah, the Olympics, Tokyo 2020, never a dull moment. Mm-hmm. And she also said, to give her credit, that's all right, I'll just run the next one. So. Now, mind you, it is three years away because it's not because of the offset of time of COVID and everything yeah. else. But still, um, uh, I look forward to watching her run uh, in the Olympics regardless because, wow, is she fast. We're talking like 10 and a half seconds, 100 meters fast, <laughs> which is mind-blowing. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.